What is up, everybody? My name is Brandon First, a.k.a. First Report, representing the ESBC Betting Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, July 14th, and I got to tell you, I'm really, really excited about what we got going on today. Last week, Raider Jim and Josh uh, got you ready for opening day, and uh, getting you ready for opening day, that might be an understatement, because if you were following along with us this weekend, we were putting money in your pocket, but I mean, honestly, is that's not anything new. It's just a different sport, still doing the same thing. And the main thing of this podcast is we do it now Tuesday. Myself and Raider Jim is focusing on Del Mar and everything that is going to happen. It's obviously a different meet. Mm-hmm. We have no fans. We have um, a, a different schedule. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as opposed to the Wednesday through Sunday. So uh, uh, more time to do our research and what uh, what better opportunity to do that than with a guy like Raider Jim? And like I said, if you followed along with us, most of our winners were the ones coming out of Raider Jim. Uh, three for three on the daily double. He's yet to hit or yet to lose a first or second race here this weekend. Mr. Raider Jim, how are you doing today? Ah, uh, Brandon first. How are you? It's always good to talk to my brother, Brandon. Hope Josh will be able to join in a little bit later. And to all the listeners out there, thank you very much for, again, being part of the ESBC Sports Podcast, Sports Betting Podcast. We did have a great opening weekend. And I will tell you, Brandon, I've always said I'm one of the fastest guys you're going to see run downhill. As long as I don't look at my feet, I probably won't trip and fall. So I just kept throwing the darts and picking horses. And I was like, you know, my mom would like those jockeys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, no, we do our research. Uh, all the picks that we make are credible. Right or wrong, we put effort into it, and that's what we bring to you listeners. And so follow along, and let's see if we can put some money in your pocket. Amen, amen. And, and like we said, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday and Sunday, we're going to be dropping those picks on Twitter. You are going to be have to be very vigilant on those. In terms of the, the, the daily double and the, uh, the feature races, those will be out in the morning on Twitter. We will drop those earlier. Um, but if you want to follow along with us every race on Friday and sa- uh, Sunday, you'll have to be on our Twitter. Saturday, I will have the live stream going on like we did this past week. So if you watch that, you uh, won't really have any catching up to do. It will be all right there. With this being the first um, podcast that I've been a part of, uh, horse racing-wise, I had some questions that, you know, if you listen to our Tim Conway podcast, I had very uh, somewhat similar experiences with my father. Now, my father wasn't um, a a celebrity and all that stuff but a lot of my memories were at the track and um, now I didn't learn math at the track but I that was definitely the best place for me or my favorite place to utilize math and and enjoy math probably the only place outside of baseball that I actually enjoy math and so I've grown up in it and as much as I love my late father I he his process it's a little, you know, maybe barbaric, and, and it hit it once or twice, but it was not the, what I knew or what I've learned over really these past nine months that I've, we've started this podcast. And when we put that towards horse racing, it's really Raider Jim and pretty much what he's been doing for a while and being obviously very successful. So I had some questions for him, um, just, you know, some things that not everybody quite knows about um, and, and is, is privy to and definitely just to get his opinion on things. So first question I have for you is um, we talk about the eyeball test versus the numbers. Mm-hmm. And obviously 
the numbers are very key. You want to know how fast the horse ran, um, how it's done against other competition, what class of race we're talking about. Are they going up in class, dropping in class? But there's nothing like being in the paddock and seeing a horse that just strikes you. You know, you just see it and you go, whoa, okay, maybe something there. Um, how do you balance and what do you look for on both of those, um, both the eyeball test and the numbers test, if you will? Yeah, Brandon sent me three questions he said he'd like to review this week. And quite honestly, my answer for number one is going to almost mimic what I started or what I gave for my number three question answer. And Brandon, I actually answered those backwards. I started with that last one because for me, there was a lot of thought that had to go into that. And it was the toughest of the three questions that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my tough homework first and then I'll back my way into the, to the easier one. But the first thing I'm going to check in, recent performances. When was the last time a horse ran? What was the distance? Was it a similar distance? If a horse showed or placed at six furlongs and he's running six furlongs today, who beat him? Because it's not necessary. It doesn't necessarily mean a horse showed or a horse, a horse placed and that they are not a caliber horse that can win. What class did they run in? What was the weight? What was the purse? Was it a claiming race? Those are, those are a lot of factors you have to take in. And what did they really lose by? And then there's that physical factor. And what I mean by the physical factor, you or I or anybody, if you get up at three in the morning and you want to go to downtown LA, you can get there in two hours and 15 minutes. If you leave at six in the morning, you're not going to get there in two hours and 15 minutes. Why? There's traffic, there's congestion. So what kind of race were they in? What were the conditions? Did they get cut off? Did the jockey, was he not able? He might've been in a good position going around the first couple posts, but he might not have been able to pull outside to get his horse where he needed to navigate. So a lot of things, if you want to put in that much research on one horse, one race, some people do. I, you know, I will do that on certain races, feature races. I'll definitely look at if you've got a really tight field with tight odds on the favorites. So I look at past performances, morning workouts. A lot of people live and die by the morning workout. But as I said to you in an earlier discussion, people don't realize uh, how smart a racehorse is and how human like they are. They are athletes. And if you've ever been able to go to, Maybe not so much college because those guys are fighting for something. But if you go to the pro workouts, you see guys put out 50%, 70% when they do the drills. But when they've got them out there at the warmups, you see the superstars and they're stretching and they're doing the calisthenics, but they're doing what they're told to do. And because their they're, they're teammates are on either side, horses go out in the morning and do what the trainers and the riders ask them to do. Okay, they might breeze them, meaning they may just, you know, kind of take it easy. They may hand them, meaning we're going to get up on the neck and, and dig their knuckles in and rub them a little bit to get a little more out of them. Depends. That depends on the trainer, too. Baffert may not train his horses or do his morning workouts the way a Doug O'Neill is, the way D'Amato is going to do it. It's going to vary from trainer to trainer. So look at who that trainer is and find out if you can figure out what their training methods are. But the morning workout time, a horse may not be a morning person. 
I used to love going to the gym at 5, 5.30 in the morning, and I would have guys look at me and tell me during the work day, you're crazy. Why don't you go after work? Why? Because after work, I'm tired. I don't want to go home then and do it. So horses are the same way. They know they're going to do the drill. They're, they can't say no. They're going to get their bag of oats at the end of the day. But they know it's not game time. They're very cerebral animals, whether people realize it or not. Horses, thoroughbreds especially, very, very cerebral. So morning workouts, you can get lost in the times, lost in uh, all that. I really look at more frequency and then injury report. And I don't mean anything dramatic. But if you say, well, we ended up skipping the, the morning workout two days ago or whatever because he seemed to be a little stiff or they picked up something in his gait, and they decided to back off, see if you can get information on that too. Uh, anything pulmonary, again, not coughing up a lung, but you know, they, the trainers know and, and the doctors know and the handlers know. They get to know those horses just like you would get to know your own pets, like I get to know my own dogs. I know when they're happy, I know when they're not happy or they, they got a stomach ache. So I look at the medical reports, Again, the times, I would, uh, they're good to look at. I just wouldn't get too involved. Watch the movement on the, money, the morning lines, too. Um, we, pick up the, we pick up the sheets on Friday morning for this coming Friday session program. And you see horse one, race one, and opens the morning line at 15 to 1. Eh, you may not consider it. Then you go back and you look two minutes, two hours before race time at noon. Well, we moved from 15 to one to six to one. Well, why is that? Now look at his trainer, look at his jockey. And as you and I were discussing over the weekend, there's a lot of indicator in that. Now, does that mean you're going to pick the winner? Define what's the winner. The winner is the horse that you bet on that puts money in your pocket, whether it's a win ticket, a place ticket, a show ticket, doesn't have to be a winning ticket to say you won the race. If you collect, if you walk away, if you go back to the window and you collect more money than what you bet, you won. That's what the horse racing game is all about. Look at the field, look at the competitors. Who are the core competitors? You're always going to see, especially in a bigger field of say eight to 12 horses, you are going to see a core five or six. And again, look at that money line. Maybe you're going to see consistently three horses that are two to one, five to two, four to one. And you might see this one six to one horse. Look at that six to one horse and see if his morning line moved from double digits to six to one. You probably got a good show ticket there. So that's what I do when I eyeball. What about you? Because you know, I know you're a paddock guy, and quite honestly, I'm a paddock guy too. I'm a huge paddock guy, and, um, and I'm not talking Chris Paddock here, but – uh, mainly it's for me it's almost I, I actually prefer to go to Del Mar by myself I love my friends and you know my family but for me it's I go back and forth like I said the race ends I don't care if I just want a million dollars if I'm betting on the next race I got to get to the paddock immediately because I want to see the way the horses come in and how they interact um, not only with the people around but the the, the handlers um, and then the the when they put the jockey up um, and how they walk around, and it's just, you can tell the ones that are on their toes in the, uh, before they get, you know, I think they call it silked up or saddled up. And then you can mm -hmm. just tell that it's almost 
it's almost like a uh, like a Ray Lewis who's just running around super crazy. But when that whistle starts, it, it's game time. Like, okay, the the, right. the the time for jumping around and getting myself ready, that's it. No more wasted energy. It's get me in the gate, ring the bell, and I want to be there first. And that's what I like to see um, from – now, obviously, that's that's the best. Like, you, you want to see that from every horse. You don't see that. Myself, I don't like – um, tape. I going going back to your injury type thing. The the, the tape on the legs is um, it, it's concerning to me. Uh, it might not always be, or might not always should be, but that tape is there for a reason, um, and it Correct. and it's not quite a reason. You know, obviously, I don't want to see any of these horses do anything bad to their legs because we all know what that means. But um, there is right. obviously a worry there from someone who's very intimate with the horse. So I don't really necessarily want to deal with that. But what I've learned really over the last three days um, has been the form, like the racing form and reading. Because I used to get the racing form and it was, it could have been written in e Egyptian hieroglyphics. There were a lot of what does that mean? And, and, and what, what's going on? And I've taken this weekend to kind of really dive into it. And especially what I like that you talked about with morning workouts, because you can really get lost in those morning workouts. Um, but, Correct. but bringing up the fact that that, that trainer might decide, Hey, you know, this morning workout, we're stretching her out or we're stretching him out or, Hey, you know what? We, we kind of just want to get the blood flowing. Nothing crazy today. And, and we don't really right. know that. I was talking with Josh this past weekend. Uh, uh, morning workouts are the equivalent to uh, the CIA in horse racing. They are incredibly secretive. They are very kind of hush-hush, especially when it comes to horses that, are, that could be claimed. Um, so it's, it's a very tough rabbit hole to go down. Um, but the past performances, I think, are definitely key, especially when you see horses you'll see a lot of these optional or the, the, the claimings that they've, they've raced each other maybe two or three times. A group of four or five have raced each other two or three times. And, and that's, I go back and I watch the race and just kind of see the way the horse deals. And now obviously these are animals and just like us, we don't do the same thing over and over again, but you do kind of get that, that, that smell, that horse smells. Oh, Hey, I know this horse. I ran him down last time. I know that I can run this horse down. Uh, little things like that, the cerebralness of these athletes. Um, that's, that's and, and to your that point, to your point on past performances, who rode that horse? When that horse was successful, who rode that horse? Was Smith on the horse when it came in first the time before and the time before and the time before? And is Smith on it again? Then what does that tell you? The owner and the trainer both know Smith's the guy you want on the back of that horse because he's going to get the most out of it. Absolutely. And the other thing, going back to the morning workouts, I made the, the analogy or the reference, horses can be like people. Uh, they're not a morning horse, and so they just kind of go through the workout because people they're being asked like to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, John Elway. <laughs> and, you, uh, and the thing is, on the other side of that, you might – a morning workout time or a workout time that's just like my god that horse is really just hauling ass then you find out it's not an afternoon horse so it hauled ass for its workout but by the time five o'clock rolled around you know it just he didn't have the same fire 
So don't be misled too much by the morning, uh, by the workout times. Agreed. Josh, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm so happy you know how to I, I got a, I, I got a off, <laughs> off cam, off, uh, off podcast, I'm going to have a bone to pick with you during the week because how come I can get on video when I go into Brandon's room and, and you block me? What? <laughs> yeah, look at that. Look at that. Uh-huh. No, I don't block you. <laughs> trying to get you on. The opposite of blocking. But, now uh, I'm streaming you throughout the world. We're getting the stream going. Perfect. The, now, uh, if Brandon how to do the stream, we'd be doing good. Per well, that, nice. that will get there. <laughs> the, uh, the second question I have. I have no women on the podcast. I think that's a problem. Well. That's that's definitely <laughs> probably a problem. You probably be able to figure it out. About the, the the lack of fans, and we 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 will see it in mainly football. Like let's let's be honest, in terms of home field advantage, um, in any sport, I think football is number one out of the major four sports. Horse racing, it's not really thought about. Obviously, you know, if, until you really dive deep into the mannerisms of horses, I've I really I, I've wondered, you know, on on opening day, that roar of coming down the home stretch in this, you know, the feature race, whatever it is, I, I think it's the ocean side. Um, does that spur on a, a horse? Or conversely, are trainers now more, um, let's see, um, are, are they, do they want to run their first time starters now? Maybe more often than they want because there isn't the paddock atmosphere, there isn't the the, whoa, I've never seen this many human beings in my life. Um, nothing crazy will happen. Um, or uh, does it affect, I guess, mainly the horse and the jockey? Or is it really overblown? A good point on the first-time starters. That could very well be uh, – that's a strong point because there's not all the distraction of all the announcements going on in the background, you know, advertising announcements, talking about the whoever is sponsoring the next race, just everything in general, that could be overwhelming for a horse that's never run. Although they're probably not going to put their horse out unless they are sure that that horse is ready to go. And like I said, that was, it was a great question when I saw that one because to sit back or I can sit back and hypothesize on that. Uh, bottom line, I don't believe it makes a difference because when it comes to the horse racing, here's the deal. Stables and owners make money by either increasing the value of their horse with victories or by virtue of their horse that they know that they're eventually going to put out for breeding purposes is racking up wins. Uh, if it is, for an example, one of the Breeders' Cup Challenge races, those guys, they're not going to care if there's anybody in the stands we got to get across the line. I want to get to the next level. So the owners make money. The trainers definitely make money. The jockeys get their base fee plus their bonus, if you will, if they get that horse. Plus, they're going to get called on to get back on that horse for the next big race or subsequent other races by the handlers. So for those, for those three people, in my opinion, it doesn't matter to them if there's people in the stands or not. Their job, get on the horse, make the horse perform. Everybody gets paid. That's it. At the same time, I will tell you, being an animal guy, and I use the analogy in my, my answers to you, I've had dogs and I have two new dogs right now, but I can remember my dogs just kind of lumping around, loafing around, laying on their backs, whatever. I can go outside, they perk up. I put them in the car, they know we're going to the park. 
to the dog park. I get them out of the car and they're straining at the leashes. I let them off. And just because I'm running with them or calling their names and, and telling them, good job, good job, good job, they would run all day long for me. The, the jockeys love the horses. They love the animals. And they know how to make them perform. I would imagine, I've, I've heard some jockeys say that they are talking to the horse all the way around the track, which I think is a beautiful thing. So on one hand, I will tell you my bottom line, I stand by. It doesn't matter if there's people in the stands, but horses like to perform. They want to do well. They're loyal. They're cerebral. And they do like the adulation. And I think they can tell. And I think the jockey's telling them, we got this one, we got this one, we got this one. And when they all cross the line, they know. Quick story, one of the greatest thoroughbreds that ever ran uh, was a horse named uh, John Henry. John Henry was one big, beautiful, magnificent horse. And when he was done with his racing days, they were having a special up at Hollywood Park. So I went up at Hollywood Park to watch the races and John Henry, they were going to bring him out before the feature race. Let him do, let him do a lap like you do after you win a gold medal in the Olympics. And he was just magnificent. And they started doing a collage of video highlights on the tote board. They walked him up and the handler just stood there with him. And I'm telling you that horse, just stood head high and he was watching the screen. And at one point right before it ended or right after it ended, I just remember he just kind of did a nod to the screen. And I thought, man, you want me to believe that horse didn't know what he was watching and saying, yeah, I did. Okay. I've done. Okay. So uh, I do think there's a part, the jockeys do like to hear it too. Makes them want to make the horse perform. But when it comes right down to it, Cross the line and collect. I, yeah, and and it's it, I think it's similar to you know the sports that we're going to be seeing starting up. The, the the will to win, like these are competitors. Like us us cheering and clapping isn't the reason. Oh oh, they're cheering for me now. I'm going to compete. I mean, it helps. Don't get me wrong, but these these are I mean world class athletes, especially some of the horses. I mean, the horses at Del Mar. If it wasn't for Keeneland's kind of weird um, five day run they had this week. I mean, the best horses in the yeah. world would have been here um, this past weekend, um, including the jockeys as well. So I think it's interesting because these are world-class athletes, like you said, and they, they know, you know, hey, especially the big ones. Now, you know, the, 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 the 20,000 claimings, you know, those might not be so much, but when you're talking about, you know, the, the Kentucky, I always remember, I, I don't remember what horse it was, but it was one of the, you know, Zenyatta's, the big brown, um, kind of doing the same thing that you talked about with that horse, Henry, uh, John Henry, that you were talking about. Very aware where the cameras are. You know, oh, I, here I am. I'm going to stand. I'm going to pose. And, you know, it's, it's just so funny to see that from, you know, if you don't really know horses, you would think, oh, no, they're just, you know, they're running there because they heard a bell and they think they're going to get fed. Like, no, these No, they, these are not mules. They are not beasts exactly. of burden. These are athletes. Hence the name thoroughbred. I mean, these are the the top of the top in terms of uh, athletic athleticism in the animal kingdom. But uh, so I think uh, you pretty much hit on everything um, from my third question. So do you want to move on to uh, looking at race one of Friday? 
Well, let's go ahead. Let's, let's hit on the, on your third question because there, it is very specific. It was a very specific question. Josh said, uh, when you have first time starters, how do you look at those races? And first thing everybody needs to make sure we're clear on, and I'm sure all of the listeners have background in the sport. So pardon me, I'm not trying to insult anybody or, or put myself in this position that I'm smarter than everybody. Cause that's certainly not it. But first time starter, all that means is they've never raced. They're not maidens. Yes, they are, but no, they aren't. Maidens actually means they've raced once, one or more times, and they've just never won a race. That doesn't mean that they're losers either. You might have a maiden horse that has actually missed out by half a length, has placed in three races. It just never crossed the line. So first-time starters, what are you looking for? Well, the big three for me, who owns the horse? Why do they own the horse? Lineage or pedigree? Where did that horse come from? The example I used because there's horses running at Del Mar right now. You look down the list and you see the sire is a horse called Mucho Macho Man. You want to take a look at that horse. Who is the owner? What stable is it coming from? And who's training that horse? Mucho Macho Man was one hell of a race horse. And if that's part of his bloodline. You want to take a look at that horse and give it some credibility. As I said, success breeds success. And that couldn't be more true than horse racing. That's for sure. So look at who owns it. Look at the handlers. Look at the trainer. If you've got a first-time starter, and I gave you the examples, and even myself, you know, I had never really broken it down that way until just I wanted to make sure I gave you a great answer or good answer. You look at the trainer's some of the 2019 information because 2020 is kind of screwed up right now. First time starters, let's throw the name Phil D'Amato out there. One of the greatest trainers, one, you know, so solid, so consistent. 2019, he had 45 first time starters. He had five wins, six places, five shows. He was in the money 16 times or 36% of his first time starters crossed in the money he made $260,000 for everybody. Peter Miller, 42, crossed six wins, four places, seven shows, 40% of his horses, another $249,000 winner. And then you got Big Daddy, Doug O'Neill, 58 first-time starters in 2019. He had 11 winners, sixth place, three shows, 34% of his horses crossed into the money, but those were different caliber races because when you look at his 34%, that was over a half million dollars. He collected $546,754 on his first time starters. So on Friday, if you see somebody's a first time starter and you see these three guys are training that first time starter, again, you're not going to look at the, the times, the workout times. You do want to look at the morning line. I will tell you one thing I alluded to in my answer in writing. Watch a first-time starter that's got these dynamite, great morning line odds. Oh, first-time starter, and their, their morning line is two to one. No, it's not. It can't be. There's no way a horse, you're not going to make me believe, and this is a personal opinion, you can't make me believe that a horse that's never been in real situation like that is going to be the favorite. 
can't happen unless it's running against a bunch of three-legged horses, maybe. But other than that, it's not going to happen. And the other thing that you do is you might actually offend some of the other trainers, some of the other jockeys, and not so much offend, that's probably not the right word, but they're like, oh, really? That's the favorite, huh? We'll show you what the favorite is because my horse, my horse is a maiden. Because the, the favorite only wins. But we've come in to, time, right? That's correct. Right. So watch these. Watch the first-time starters with the uh, incredibly good-looking, attractive odds because uh, that's that old adage: uh, if it looks too good to be true, probably is. Now let me and ask the you jockey. Question. Let me ask you. A sure. Remember when you're looking at trainers because you're an old-timer and you've seen them. Twice now, you see them coming and going, right? When you started, you were on your first. When first and I started, you were on the first way back. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, Art Sherman, the Art of the world. Where let's say an Art Sherman, right? California Chrome. He's a guy who's a middler, right? But he could get lucky versus the guys who are consistent. And you're looking at, and you're evaluating a race. Is that kind of flips it because our chairman isn't over here or there he's kind of right in the middle right so as a trainer and it's somebody pretty much coming out of nowhere right he's coming out of fresnick he's coming out of nowhere he's got maybe a little bit on in the bafford and the Doug o'neill horses and the in the um entourage and the whole system might not be a solid How, how do you how do you look at a race like that well, that, and, and so there it goes. So that, that goes the third part of the factor, the third variable, which is who do they put on the back of the horse? And if you have, uh, if you have a, a journeyman or a new rider and that's who they put on that horse, you don't know why. Maybe that horse, the, the odds there, if they're not that attractive, maybe that's justified. If the morning line has moved and that trainer is more of that journeyman, middle of the road, but solid trainer, but all of a sudden you see a Mike Smith on the back of that horse. And that's just a name I'm throwing out there because it came into my head. Then what does that mean? Because for some reason, line, right? the, the, so the stable told the, 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 the trainer and the stable and yeah. the owners talked, they said, if we can get him on the horse and they talked to the jockey, jockey knows how to handle him. There it is. So, so you're you're agreeing with a scuttlebutt during those days, the California Chrome won the Kentucky Derby because Victor Espinosa was riding. Yeah. There is a big difference between first-time starters and, uh, and California Chrome running them, just throwing that. Uh, <laughs> there is that. Uh, <laughs> that's where every first-time starter or those owners dream of, because I mean, like, like Raider Jim said, just necessarily, I mean, you look at, sometimes you look at maiden races, um, and once again, those are different. Maiden races are horses that have ran and not won. Um, and you'll look at them and, and you go, wow, six races, never won. And then you look at the form, you go, wow, okay, five races, they finished third at worst and lost by a combined eight lengths. Like, okay, it was in every single one, maybe a break here or there, and they have two wins as opposed to none. So, and another, what I bring up with the, the first well, time. Cadillac, right? some, some people don't know how to ride a Cadillac. Exactly. And it's dropping class. Yeah. Well, today is there a drop in class? What was he was he just outpriced before? You know, did did you put him on a on a lot, you know, and say this right. is the like like Josh is saying. So you take your old VW bus, you put it on the Audi lot, and you wonder why nobody wants to buy it. Right. 
maybe you're maybe you're out of your game. I don't right, know. Right. So right. that could be a, that's a factor. Definitely. And I've always said hasn't been heard from again. Probably never will again. <laughs> someone <Right. said>, someone <laughs> will want it. Someone will want that. that. But I've Our always said that first-time starters, it's like betting on um, a little leaguer, a high schooler that you just don't know. They're, they're, they're not – you can talk about my, my, my dad's favorite – or least favorite word used to be potential. You can talk about potential of a two-year-old all, all you want, but – that first, second, third start, a lot of a lot of things are going through that that uh, horse's mind. But that, those are great answers, uh, mainly because those, like I said, are hard to bet. But if you do know what you're talking about, like you said, with the trainers and stuff like that, they're actually easy if you actually find what is the right thing, especially that day. Especially, I think it was on Friday when we hit the Doug O'Neill uh, Rispoli combo. That was. That was like, hey, was finally, just, just don't even, we're, we're good. Move on to the next race. We got no Neil Rispoli horse. Put it and go. Move on to the next one. But uh, Absolutely. Actually, you know, I'll throw you a curveball here. Just, just wondering, does the fact that now, um, I'm not quite sure how the Keeneland quarantine will work, whether they have to wait for two weeks, but does the fact that the Keeneland jockeys now are coming back, does that maybe cool off Rispoli? Oh, I don't think it will. Okay. I don't, I don't think it will. Now, if, if they, if it goes beyond 10 days, if he happens to, you know, if he tests positive and he's got to be out longer, those are all variables too. But in general, no, I don't think so. Perfect. I'm telling you what, the crop of jockeys they have at Del Mar right now, Del Mar, as you know, when we talk to uh, Tim Conway and as he knows from his, all his years up in LA, Del Mar is now one of the top 10 tracks in the United States. And now they're every year, there's just more and more talent and it boggles the mind and the jockeys they have coming in now are just, these guys, this is amazing. This isn't, this is all-star racing in Southern California. And it's great that it's right here in the backyard of San Diego. Absolutely. Awesome. And I, I, you know, I was for me, cause the only one that I really missed and, and I'm not, at least with the jockeys, at Del Mar, I know the, those jockeys, and obviously that's not the whole of the jockey world, but the only one I really that kind of missed, or at least noticed I missed, was uh, Joe Talamo. Um, I know he was at Keeneland for the five, and then um, the uh, was it Flavian Pratt, correct? Pratt, Pratt got and, Pratt's the one that's in quarantine right now. Yes, he is in quarantine after his weekend trip to uh, Keeneland, but you want to move on to... Uh, and, and I'm still, it, that's I, still a, a curious thing for me. He and his trainer, his, his, his trainer, I think it was, or his manager, like, oh, you know, it was almost like I picked him up from the airport. We decided to go by and get ourselves tested. And oh, how about that? He's got it. Really? Well, he didn't catch it on the flight back here. And what would make you go? And then the other curious question is, how did he get diagnosed positive, but he only has to have a 10-day quarantine? Yeah, what is it, it? I mean, there are so many things. We adjust honestly, the rule. My favorite, my new analogy for what's going on with coronavirus and everything is it's when I'm watching a football game uh, and either a team that I bet on or the Eagles or a team that I pull for, um, a big play has happened and, and they're going to review it. And it's going to be a long review. And it's two minutes of Chris Collinsworth and um, uh, Al Michaels talking about, well, maybe it is. Maybe I just put it on mute and I wait for. I wait for the zebra to come to right. me because everything that they tell me, it's bullshit. So at this point, I'm just kind of waiting like, okay, 
uh, just just tell me what like what actually we need. Like I'll just let everyone talk right now. I'm putting everyone on mute. I'm gonna sit back, put my mask on, and then eventually we'll know what happened. But not right now. So that's kind of right, how I look at right. Corona. I mean, especially especially with the with like you talked about with he was there on opening day. So he's been there are people that hopefully didn't catch it, but it's hard to believe that if he was in the paddock for, I mean, at least eight races on opening day. I mean, they're nice. They have good quarters. The jockeys have good places to go in, switch silks, all that good stuff, but it's all locker room. Yeah. It's a locker room. And they're, they, how much time they have 20 minutes to get off a horse, sweating, get in there, take that off. And I'm, I'm sure there's not a politeness, not a lot of politeness going on there. You know, it's towels getting thrown and, you know, F you, you shouldn't have cut me off and <laughs> that type there, of thing. So you know, it's, it's kind of curious. But. There was a reality and it only lasted for like, I don't know, five or six episodes. There was a reality, I think it was on Animal Planet. It was a reality show and it was based around Chantel Sutherland, uh, Mike Smith, a couple other ones yep. about five or six years ago, yep. and there were that it only there was only like one or two little dust ups, but you see that like hey, look these these guys are competing like it's it's and that's another thing I try and tell my friends and everybody. Yeah, but it's in the media right now. You cannot go inside buildings. Oh uh, no, there are still right. things in the air, so they can't they can't be in these enclosed areas. They gotta oh be yeah, out this there. was like six I or hate seven to say years it, but ago. They probably need to go to the infield or something. They need to go wide open spaces where the droplets can't hang and you can breathe a droplet. And I don't know. Yeah, I'd be, cu uh, I'd be curious to see if they have plexiglass set up in the jockey room, to, you know, <laughs> to really separate these guys. I, I'm, I'm not thinking. Yeah, I got a question. How, are, how in shape are they? Because then you have the mask. In the mask, like I just came from jogging, right? And the mask increases the workout. And if you're not in top shape or whatever, it's going to be a problem. And then uh, jockeys are known are famous for partying. So how you know how does the partying go go along with wearing the mask and the whole social distancing? I you know this is just speculation on my part, and I'm sure if anybody's listening that knows contrary, they will say this guy's full of shit. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I just don't want to believe just like the Dallas Cowboys having birthday parties before when all this was breaking out, just like they're, you know, Tony Romo or not Tony Romo, uh, um, Brady having practices in the park with people. If you want me to believe that these guys roll into places like Del Mar and they don't have banquet rooms set aside so that they can have their private get togethers after each program or on the weekends or on Mondays, I'm not buying it for a hot minute. Think you think the red traction is uh, has one of every table open right now? Come on, well maybe now, right? Because it did get shut down. But during the whole like kind of soft reopening, like come on, those each of those tables right. is like four hundred dollars a seat, and you're gonna tell that no, you can only sit right. one of those four tables. Get out of here! But um, no, it, uh, it it was it, it was very interesting kind of to see. Maybe interesting isn't the word, but but with that Flavian Pratt thing, so the what happens right. now? Because um, it is that would be that would really be devastating um, for the horse racing if Del Mar were to something were to happen. But we'll uh, right. One, one of the numbers I threw up last week was uh, when Josh and I were talking to open this whole thing. 
by virtue of nobody in the stands, by virtue of no parking revenue, no hot dog and drink revenue, the concerts are gone. Just that fan experience, the absence of that, the initial hit to Del Mar, $17 million. It's huge. That, that was just that number. And then it was eight, ten, eight or 10 times greater the amount of simulcast racing money that they were going to lose. I mean, it's incredible. So if they were to have to shut down now, I don't know what the Zero Bread Club would do. It's, that would be devastating. And I don't know how many, how many jockeys would have to contract it, how many guys, how many journeymen or apprentices are you going to really pull in and try to keep it going? I don't know. Well, because then you also it? have, yeah, right, right. And, and I don't know, I don't know that there is a union for uh, the stable hands and people like that, or if those are just considered day labor people, if you will, or contract labor with, will you for the, uh, each program, each session that takes place in Southern California. A lot, there, there, it's such an intricate game when it comes right down to it. it. There's a lot more behind the scenes than people realize. You know, you, Josh mentioned about jockeys like to party. There's a, a great Del Mar associated party. And I think I know which jockey it was, but I'm not throwing the name out there in case I'm wrong. But the story is they went out after a program and they were all having a great time. And this jockey just got done. He was baked and they, uh, they put him into a cab. Cabby says, where do you want to go? He says, I need to go home. So, okay, well, where do you want to go? I need to go home. And he just told the driver, I need to go home. I need to go home. Cabby takes his uh, wallet. Okay. He lives up in Hollywood, LA area. He took him. His wife comes out of the house. What the hell? What are you doing? And he remembered. He's like, oh, man, I told the guy to bring me home. <laughs> Cab driver took him all the way up there, and he had to come back that night or the next morning because he was running again the next day. That's a great story. It's Can you imagine that, that taxi bill? I mean, that's, that's, that's a hefty, hefty taxi bill. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uber? Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. I mean, I know, I know that jockeys make a good amount of money, but you got a hangover and probably about a triple digit uh, taxi bill. And you got to go back, you got to get back to San Diego. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, see, now you look at it that way, and I look at it, and, and your wife comes out the front door. This <laughs> is what the hell are you doing? Perfect difference uh, of priorities and a different, different there you are. right there. That is, that is perfect. And that's why this podcast is going to be, uh, it's going to be perfect. So you're going to have two kind of uh, dueling, the dueling banjo type things. That's perfect. But let's uh, dive into uh, race one, if you want on Friday. And I do have a question. Yeah, let me pull it up. Uh, yeah, I have a, just on the form. Is it, um, have they done the post? Do they, is this how they're posted in terms of the, um, the numbers or are, cause I don't see any numbers next to them. I'm just wondering if they haven't drawn posts yet. They've assigned the post. There's not going to be any odds out there until prob this is Tuesday. Yeah, Monday. You might Monday. see some Thursday evening, but yeah, it's early for that. The only thing I saw in race one, as we talked about before you went live was I believe they show horse run horse one race one Pratt is supposed to be the jockey. So see who they substitute. For him, watch his morning line and see how he moves. That would be one of my 
because he would have been one of my daily double picks right off the bat, but that might change. Making it, it, it was getting too easy for us, Raider Jim, so they had to throw us a curveball <laughs> to, uh, you know, put, put, put an extra little hiccup in it. Um, I'm just looking it over. Uh, the one that I, I, I look, we looked over these first two races, um, and heart full of stars. I, it's the first horse listed, and I know, you know, we're not um, supposed to really do this, but it's, it is a, it's a claiming 20,000. It's a horse that's dropping in class uh, from 40,000 down to 20,000. But I look at the workouts, and I know we kind of had a whole thing about don't go down the rabbit hole of the workouts, but the, the workouts right. have been pretty impressive. I mean, none of them have been in Del Mar, but I mean, plenty, of, obviously Santa Anita. Um, so you still have this somewhat similarity, at least with the, the climate-ish. Um, and this is which horse? This is Heart Full of Stars. Race number? No, race one, uh, Friday. Race one, Friday, okay. Sorry, I'm using my phone, so it's... No worries. Oh, the, yeah, okay, so that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, just, it's... It's tough, and obviously you see why he dropped down in class, lost by, you know, 12 lengths last time out, finished eighth. But, right. I mean, that was the one thing my dad used to tell me, too. We used to get the Union Tribune, and, and they had little notes. And anytime he saw drop in class, he would put some money on it because he knows, okay, that horse. Right. You know, they, they, he, he used to call it purse, uh, purse snatching, my, uh, the owner. He, he needs a purse. He needs a purse. He's dropping him in class. He needs a purse. He's purse snatching right now. Right. And that, that's, that's, that's a, a great, like, great way to money put it. That. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. really, I think, what I see, at least in the Heart Full of Stars. Uh, one of the ones that, but now, obviously, this being said, um, it probably will be a pretty short line. Um, definitely not going to be a long shot if, you know, you have dropping class, really good workouts. Um, uh, and then, not, I'm not too familiar with per, uh, Pereira as a jockey. Like I said, I'm uh, working on the, the jockey part of things, but it's a horse that... That, I'm, that I definitely kind of jumped out to me. Right, and for, for both of the number three horse. And that was, you know, another one too. I talked earlier about those horses that kind of race each other. Um, this is one of those. Uh, same with, you know, I know Conquest, oh, Conquest Cobra has uh, faced Fabozzi as well. Um, there was... Um, Italiano has faced Heartful of Stars before, so this is kind of a, you know, and that, that they, they're very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Familiar. They're familiar with each other. They know what, and jockeys as well, they know what that horse is going to do, how hopefully they can ride it um, to get that, but it is a claiming. And if you don't mind explaining to me, because I did notice there's claiming and then there's optional claiming. Is there a difference, or is that really just a different class, or? Option claiming, the way it was explained to me, is you don't have to, uh, you don't have to sell that horse. It's there. If you're willing to, great, but you're not, you, by signing and putting that horse in, you're not forfeiting the right. 10-4, got it. But claiming is, if someone claims him before the race, he's the other, ho other owner's horse, period. Gotcha. That's what I figured. Correct. Just wanted to make sure. Um, so this is obviously claiming uh, at 20,000. So obviously all of these horses, the owners have pretty much kind of, I guess, 
put them out there. But there is, like I said, the, the, that makes it difficult in the claiming is it's all real easy when we watch the race and go, oh, I want that horse. Well, you got to do this before the race. Now, uh, let me sure. ask you this, because Greater Jim and both of you guys, uh, back to California Chrome, right? When that all was going on as a casual observer, uh, Art Sherman was the original owner of the horse, owner trainer. By the end of it, he only owned, what, 20% of the horse? Right? So how does that work? Because even if up until the Kentucky Derby, there were some people throwing down money. And then so after the Kentucky Derby, somebody will buy the horse and buy the stud, uh, the stud rights? Or how does that work, Greater Jim? As far as, so... As ownership. Because it seems like you have an original owner, but... Correct depending on what's going on, right? Let's say in the Gene Klein days, Gene Klein would own the horse the whole time and nobody could buy in. However, there's no rules, right? It could be like uh, venture capital. If somebody puts in seed money and then there's a round, third round and fourth round and fifth round, like what happened with our church, right? And how does the claiming races that uh, Brandon first play into that, play into that big picture? Well, I'll... Uh... I'll, I'll take that. I couldn't hear it. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, go I'll, ahead. I'll go, go ahead. the question in my answer. Pretty much what he was wondering about was um, the kind of uh, block partnerships or ownership. So it's not just one person. It's a group uh, in right. terms of, you know, almost like a, like a, a corporation. Hey, shareholder. You know, stockholder. You know, exactly. Um, and I do know, and I'm not 100%. Now, I will say California Chrome will never have to go through the, or never had to go through the claiming process. Those horses are are locked up and no one they're right. they're they're they've done it and once they're done it's now hey let's get this to stud because that's where they make a lot more money uh you know there's no real risk in putting a horse out to stud because if we know what that means you know it's a lot more dangerous running rather than you know doing what you need to when you stud so uh, right. but what i will say is i think we are seeing more prevalency of it um there was only one horse i noticed that actually was part of it on del mar but there is uh, a website called MyRacehorse.com, which is, think of small, like you and me, hey, here's here's $100. You can buy into a piece of a horse. Now, obviously, yeah. you have to, to be a, you know, someone that figures out whether you're uh, putting a horse for claiming or not. I'm pretty sure you right. have to be a high shareholder in that. But we could see something like that going on with the prevalency of my horse race on, or horse i think it's myhorserace.com or myracehorse.com right because again just like everybody wants to bring their families on friday evening because there's a concert or let's all get together the, the majority of those people aren't really people that play the races they're going for the experience so like owning a boat or becoming you know that type of thing it's a trendy thing now oh i want to be able to say I own a piece of a racehorse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it's the so so. What is your what is your five thousand dollars worth? Are you okay if on your five thousand dollars down the road you're going to end up getting fifty one hundred dollars back? So, but it's an expensive sport. So, right, right. I mean, it's 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 a pretty tough industry for people who have been doing this for a very long time. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not discouraging anyone to do it, but uh, it's it's. It's not easy. Just stick with betting with us. I think that's a safer investment. Um, but 
that's just me. We move on to the, 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 the second race. And like I said, this was the second um, one that I looked at. And it is the, the, what we talked about earlier. It's, it's not first-time starters, but it's, I, I think there's about maybe eight combined. Oh, well, there's a five-start race in there. But a small amount of, of starts between these right. race horses, all maidens, all at special weight, 50K, which um, is that the lowest maiden class? Special weight fifty thousand, or I think it goes down to twenty thousand. Actually, now that I think. No, it goes down. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. Um, no, it'll go down. These are um, obviously horses that are expected, but these are also the horses now. The ones that look for the ones that finish second and third and fourth, then they will drop in class. That's when we try to see, like, okay, hey, that's our chance. The twenty thousand maiden, um, uh, the twenty thousand dollar maiden special. That's when we hit. Uh, maybe not on this race, but it's it's the little league effect. I feel like the high school effect. What are we getting from these horses that um, right. really? It, it's and for me, when I handicap, I like to look at if they've raced at Del Mar yet. Now you won't get a ton of that because a lot of them are two and three year olds, especially early on in the meet. Um, but when I do see that, it at least just comfort level it's something i mean i'm not putting money just because they race at Delmar, but it's it is at least a positive in that they know hey i've been here i remember this i remember the smell of you know uh the, the bay or the the beach um and stuff like that yeah now in this race number two race i will tell you uh looking you know just trying to get very first reaction combinations to look at for a daily double in the first second race I will go back on, I believe it was Sunday's program, but I like the number six horse right off the bat because Sadio ran for that trainer on Sunday. And for some reason, what's sticking in my head is he was one of those tickets where they were like, started the morning line, double figures, it moved down to a six to one. And sure enough, Sadio either won the race or he brought it in the money. But that combination, him with that trainer, they know each other. They know how to work together. The trainer knows the horse or get on the horse and make it perform. So number six, right off the bat. And I'll, again, Friday morning, Thursday evening, I'll send you something a little more concrete as far oh, yeah. as things we can post for the listeners. But yeah, that one right there. And uh, you know, there, there it is on the number seven horse in that race is Bella Chica ridden by Drayton Van Dyke, who I told, I kept telling you Sunday, that's not that he's going to put a ride together. I know he's going to put a ride together, and he put it together the last race and just screwed my entire ticket. <laughs> Me too. And, and, but, hey. and we were talking about it the whole time, and, and it's almost like he lulled us to sleep and then, you know, took the fog yeah, yeah. out and just woke us up. Like, oh, did you enjoy that 20-minute? Yep. Uh. But um, I, right. I also, I, when I was doing it, I, I liked what I saw at a Bella Chica too. When you have a horse that started five times, been in the money four out of those five times and three of them have been um places that's i mean it's going to be a a pretty short line but when we are talking daily doubles i think that's a pretty darn safe bet especially when we talk with right. uh, when we talk about drayden van dyke so if you had three horses in the first race that you really 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 are, are good on so you box those with that horse you're going to get some, you'll at least get your bet back more than likely yeah and um, I'm just looking through. Um, oh, and I also looked, I, I was looking over um, Get'em Tiger. Now, like I said, I really do think 
that that um, the Bella Chica horse probably going to be, you know, two to one, nine to five. Yeah. Pretty short number. So for me, it's always kind of now when we're looking at the daily double, that's a great pickup. But in terms of betting this race, I look for a little more value. I was looking over uh, the three horse, the Gidham Tiger, um, back to back play show tickets. Um, so back to back second places has gotten better. Obviously, um, it is a jump up in class. Uh, debuted at 40, uh, did kind of the 36 to 38, did well there up to 51, or up to 50, I should say. Is a bit of an up in class, but like I said, we're gonna be, I'm going to look for value in this race. I don't think it's going to come singly, at least straight with Bella Chica. Um, I'm going to look at Get'em Tiger and... We always talk about, I think the most important thing on this race is the morning line. So a lot of kind of right. what it is right now is kind of uh, um, speculating. And honestly, myself, perfect. What I like to do is by Friday is give these horses odds myself so that, so that we, I can see the difference um, in terms of, oh, I really obviously like this horse. And okay, it's 12 to one. Maybe there's something to look at. But when I look at, you know, like I said, the Bella, Bella Chica, you know, I see that as a nine to five horse. It's probably going to be around that. Uh, not something I want to bet, but I did see that get him tiger in terms of something valuable or a uh, possibility of being valuable. Right. And horse nine in that race, another one that you have to earmark and, and take a look at because there, there will be the jockey change. So what jockey are they going to put on him? Are they going to put on, uh, an apprentice, or are they going to put on a, a less experienced journeyman? How are they going to do that? That's going to determine what happens with that horse. And that's, that's a great point too, especially, you know, we are talking four days before um, and with the Flavian Pratt situation. I mean, that, that put Saturday kind of, or what, Saturday or Sunday, whatever day it happened, that kind of, even during the card, it kind of threw off the card. I remember um, us kind of going back and forth in just one race. It was, we were kind of, wait, who's on the horse? You know, there was just back and forth, a lot of stuff going, going on, flying around. And we talked about that jockey room, like for us, 30 minutes between race races. Oh, okay. No big deal. But for those jockeys, it's, you take it around, you know, the horse, the race ends, it's about another five minutes before you get that horse back to where it needs to go. You got to right, find your right. notes for the next race. And like you said, yeah, you're in a, uh, you're in a locker room. It's not a locker room with your teammates, folks. It's a locker room with your fiercest rivals. You are, you know, so it's it's not the easiest thing to deal with um, when when that happens. Um, but definitely have to keep an eye on who will be the replacement for uh, Flavian Pratt. Right. Anything else on race two that jumped out to you? Obviously, like we said, we we will be more detailed on Friday. Uh, this is a very kind of cursory look that we just looked over the first two races. But um, I really, it's unfortunate that the second race is this type of race because, you know, until we really get that morning line yeah. and starters, it's hard to, you know, really, like I said, I'll go out on a limb and say Bella Chica is good, but that's because probably a lot of people are going to go out on a limb on Friday. Um, but it's, it's very important, obviously. And, and the point of this podcast and really every podcast that we give you, it's very rare that we talk. Uh, obviously, point of the podcast. Can you hear me? Oh hear yes, me? yes. Okay, here we go. Here. Yes, yeah. The point here. of the podcast is to make money. I had. To, I had to jump. That's Josh the point of the podcast. Pulled, Josh, you almost pulled a hammy. 
making a U-turn. You went to go grab something to drink and got halfway out the door and came running back. I thought like my the stream broke down or something. Anyways, um, okay. Well, one of the, the the purposes of this podcast is everything that we put out is educational. So the, the everything that we talked about before this was education to the point where you can take that and extrapolate into a a race card that isn't Del Mar or a race card that is on Sunday instead of uh, Friday. It's not a specific thing that we're talking about. Everything that we gave you was very uh, educational and you can extrapolate it to your own horse betting really in uh, um, all honesty. So, Right. So, so let's real quick race to, oh. I think it was the sixth horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not race. Maybe it was race two. I think it was race two, the sixth horse. And yeah. again, so big time Grammy. Yep. Look at the oh, jockey. Yep. Look at the jockey. Look at the trainer. Oh. Now go down to race four, the 11 horse, and think about the trinity that I was telling you as far as what do I look for in a horse. I look for the stable. I look for the trainer. I look for the jockey. I look for the sire. Look at the sire. Look oh. and look at the jockey and look at the trainer. There he is, mucho macho man. So already, I, already, that is a horse I will be watching. Now, on my program, it says also eligible. Does that mean that it's now reliant on a scratch? That's correct. Okay. I, I mean, it, it, in other words, they may it's enter. They may run. decide not to. Yeah, it's going to run in Del Mar this week, uh, during this meet, no doubt about it. And we will have that. Uh, right. But that is, that's, that's a great call. And that's literally all three. Uh, like you said, the Holy Trinity. You got the, the jockey, the trainer, and then the, um, the, the sire. That's, the that's sire. Mucho, and that's perfect because I saw Mucho Macho Man. That was a Baffert horse, I believe, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I remember um, just, I think it was a Breeders' Cup, just, I always liked it, you know, and when I was younger, um, you know, when my dad took me to the track, a lot of my betting was based on the name. And this wasn't necessarily the case, but my favorite wrestler of all time is Macho Man Randy Savage. So, you know, you're always going to get a little <laughs> extra little nod from me uh, when you have a horse named like that. Like we had at the last race, uh, Del Mar, USC fan, calling your horse a uh, fight on. You're that was an O'Neill you're horse. About, you're getting about $10,000 in just blind bets because people are like, oh, I bet on fight on. <laughs> right now one of the features down on uh, mm -hmm. uh, let's see race 8 I've moved down and I'm looking at race 8 horse I'll watch race 8 horse 5 Irish heat wave yeah yeah O'Neill's going to have a good Del Mar that I'm going to tell you. He's going to have a good Del Mar. And then also, now, theirs might be one of our two-horse combinations, number five and number six. Look at the jockey. Look at the trainer on that one. That's going to be – I can't wait to see the morning lines on both of those to see how they move. Definitely. Especially the Doug O'Neill horse. Um, and this is optional claiming. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I, I love there, that. Yeah, there's some exciting ones out there. Yeah, apologies for not being able to take a look at the whole program before we got oh, online yeah. today. But, uh, no worries. We're early and anything can change. And let's just hope we don't hear the three jockeys get uh, diagnosed between now and then because that'd be a bummer. It, and it would, like we talked about earlier, it would be, it would, it would be working towards a, a negative or a, a bad situation like we talked about with Del Mar. And you alluded to Del Mar not having fans, uh, beer money and stuff like that. I think their biggest um, is, the, is the handle, the, the not having a handle, the not having the people bet there. I, you know, maybe I should. Oh, sure. Maybe there's a way, they, maybe they have a, a betting, just if you could like support Del Mar, like maybe if I could find a way to, you know, do my off online betting on Del Mar, maybe we, we uh, should probably start trying to do that. Because personally, myself, if Del Mar, I mean, God forbid, if it were to close, I don't know what that, that would be. I think that would be even worse than um, whatever the stadium is called now, Qualcomm or SDSU or SDCCU. Yeah. I don't really, that whatever, but Del Mar, I mean, that's, it would be devastating. And I, I think if they can get through um, th this meet safely on both counts, we, we have, you didn't really allude to the, to the unfortunate, pass, uh, unfortunate death uh, this past weekend, but if they can get through all of this safely corona-wise as well, I think it will be a nice bump for them. Um, but is there any, do you know if there's any word on the, are we seeing the big Bing Crosby meet this year? The Bing Crosby feature? Or the, uh, the, the November meet. They, they, they've started to do that, that three-week Oh, at, tentatively, tentatively, it's supposed to run. It's okay. not going to be long, but it is supposed yeah, to happen. It's supposed like... to take place. Because it actually takes place uh, either during or right before they're going to do the Breeders' Cup weekend. It is so yeah, the, yeah, it's around the same time. That's why they picked up the Bing Crosby or the that's what it's called, that's the correct. Crosby season, the Bing Crosby season, because the first or second year they did it, they actually first time ever had Breeders' Cup at Del Mar. And I tell you, yeah. I, I, my 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 little naive me thinking I could go walk up on Breeders' Cup day uh, <laughs> with my six dollars thinking I could get in. No, Brandon. No, it doesn't work like that. Like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go back home. All right. Whoa, parking's $25. Oh, luckily that wonderful yeah. parking attendant who gave me my money back. He saw me leaving. I was like, oh, what happened? I told him what happened. He goes, gave me the $25. Like, here you go. That's bro. cool. That's nice. Oh, he was awesome. He was awesome. And, you know, I, I am one of those, when Del Mar is going, I am there once or twice a week. And I, I, I nice. find people like that. I find the beer people. Um, the, the, I win. I will wait in a line for 40 minutes if I can get it in on that same teller. Everywhere else could be right. empty. I'm waiting for that one teller. Um, there's just something about it. Like Michael Scott said, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing that wrong perfect. with that. Any, uh, anything else uh, that you had on your mind uh, there, Raider Jim? No, I'm going to get to start doing the homework for Friday. Hope everything goes off as planned. And we have post time at 2 o'clock. I hope I um, look for a daily double pick. I'll and bring then, it. And, that's that's uh that's pretty much gold these days as as, as they say. So thank you again. I, I should have this spreadsheet up, right? Exactly. And like you said, if there's we're having any... a live we're having a live spreadsheet. Uh because this guy I was on the phone with this guy and he was swearing up and down. There's no way you guys have that percentage. No, there's no way. I said, why don't you listen to the podcast? 
And I'm like, we're even going to take it a step further. We're going to put a live spreadsheet on Twitter that people can see live. And we're going to add on that anybody that wants to participate, just message me. We'll have a, uh, a number of people can message 858-863-6501, and we'll put you on the spreadsheet. Obviously, we want it before the game. There you go. You hear me now? That's great. Yeah. yeah. Before the game, we'll have a live spreadsheet, right, where people can put their picks if they think they're better than ours, right, and they can see it, and they can see the trajectory of our percentages throughout the whole season. I think that's the biggest is, is like we said, the transparency of not only telling you why we're doing this, we're giving you these picks for free, every single pick. And people and are loving day, the horse racing. Uh, it, it, and it's and the thing with horse racing, the best part about horse racing is up until the last race, you got another chance to make your money. You know, and uh, NFL Sunday, there's three blocks. You got the AM, you know, the, the afternoon and then, okay, here comes that Sunday night. Uh, the the, right. the races, it's it's okay. Pick yourself up. It's very similar, kind of like it's the baseball of betting. Like okay, right. we got let, let me ask you this. I'll ask Raider Jim this last question for the road. Right? How do you avoid chasing? And if he can't hear, uh, if you he can tell him, Brandon, I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, yeah. How do you avoid chasing like that? Because he's right. But with me and my system, and it, it has happened to me at the track. In my system, I bet the same amount on each time. And I can't even, I used to think there was some sort of conspiracy because like three times a row, I went to the track and I won my money back on the last race <laughs> each time. There you go. And I was like, man, I should have bet more, but that's my system. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that on chasing, man, at the well, track? And that's the thing though, right? Yeah. That's what we talk about on this podcast is, is the system, is sticking to the system, being... Right. Yeah. How do you avoid chasing? Well, my last comment was actually going to be, I I said I didn't have one, but I actually do. And now, even when we did the NFL podcast a couple of times, I said, just remember folks, bet, bet to have fun and don't bet more than your means. When you're at the racetrack, especially for people who are just getting into horse racing, or even if you've been, always remind yourself, you do not have to bet every race. You don't have to do that. If you are, if you get lucky, if you win three races in a row, if you collect, and again, what does winning mean? Winning means you're collecting at every race. It doesn't mean you pick the horse that gets the W. You you can bet show tickets all day long and make money. You don't have to bet every race. When you come across race five and it's all maidens and it's a field of twelve, maybe that's you don't maybe keep your money in your pocket and then look for the next race chasing of sorts. Look at that next race and say, but I really, you know, I know that this is what I'm going to bet this race. And then look at the line, see if there's another favorite. You don't have to go race after race after race. That's how I avoid it. I don't necessarily play every race, every program. Exactly. And, and you, you have differences and those, those maidens scare the hell out of me. You know, they're, they're, those are, right. those are the ones that it's, or maybe not so much the maidens, but the, 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 the young starters, the, the one where you have a race of eight starters and there's maybe 12 starts between the eight of them, like, oh, my, like, this might be a hot dog race. Like, maybe I'm just going to have a hot dog. I race. would bet. I would bet yeah. three times over the weekend, three times over the weekend, I think I sent you text messages before a race that said, maiden race, double-digit field, I don't like it. Not a fan. And, yeah. 
and it's and, and it's then so I place cool. a bet. Exactly right. Of course, <laughs> you know you, you, you if you if you if you stare at that program enough, it, 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 something will happen. You, you'll you'll find something you like, as they say. Uh, you know, but um, like when I tell you not to bet Raider games, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Perfect. All right. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, it's a great podcast. It's been a great, you, a great podcast. Of ton of information, and it's only going to get better throughout the season, the Del Mar season. We're going to have more to go off of. Obviously, next week we'll have another weekend uh, of winning, and a, a situation where, as we talked with um, uh, with Raider Jim, this is a season for these horses too. It's not one and done. We are going to see all these horses probably one, once or twice. So. Every, all of these races, even if we're not betting them, we should keep an eye on them because we might have a horse later on in the season um, that we want to bet on. And if we've already seen them, uh, it's nice to, you know, see them a second time and see how that goes. So once again, thank you all so much for listening. My name is Brandon First, a.k.a. First Report for uh, Raider Jim and Josh. Thank you all so much, so much my for pleasure. listening to the ESBC Gambling Podcast, or I'm sorry, Betting Podcast Network. Uh, focusing on the horse racing here on Tuesdays. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Take we'll care. talk to you soon. Bet safe and stay healthy. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN Betting and Team Report Podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the